DJ and PK, time to talk jazz basketball with Ben Anderson, jazz writer for KSLSports.com and Utah Jazz Radio studio analyst. And he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Ben, good morning. Good morning, fellas. So, the Utah Jazz have apparently fixed the bench. They've won six in a row. They've won 11 out of 12. They never would have gone undefeated on this road trip without good bench play. I'm certain the bench saved them in the first game of the road trip against the Bulls. And they obviously had a major contribution in the win as well in New Orleans. So, of all the changes to the bench, which one is going to pay off the most in the long run? Can I say it's the attitude change and not just one player? I mean, I think Jordan Clarkson immediately came in and, and did have the impact. And we see how hot he can get like he did last night in the second quarter. But it, it seemed like the attitude changed when he got there to where when he wasn't very good in Orlando, Emmanuel Moutier stepped up and had that third quarter and said, hey, this is our job. You know, if, if Jordan Clarkson's not going to do it, I've got to do it. And then, of course, uh, George Niang picked it up in the fourth quarter. I think that's the biggest thing. And, and while... You know, the Jazz have come out and said, you know, Jeff Green wasn't a cancer or anything in the locker room, and and I've been in that locker room, and it was easy to see that he was very well liked. I don't know if he brought that energy or that confidence that certainly seems to exist with that group now. And, you know, as you mentioned, they're they're helping the Jazz win games. They've outscored opposing benches in four straight games, and I I honestly wonder if they'd outscored opposing benches in four total games but before they made some of these moves. So I I would say it was probably the attitude that, that has changed the most. Attitude. That's what I'm talking about. The level of confidence right now has to be at a season high, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, they've got momentum where they were up, what, eight in the third quarter last night and blew it and were down four after one basket in the, uh, in the fourth quarter. And you thought, you know, in the past, this is where this team has fallen apart or this is where they've lost games. And I don't just mean earlier this year. I mean, in years past, it seemed like if the wins would shift that much, the Jazz would lose those games. And they just haven't. They've just found a way now to win those games and to deal with adversity, and it's it's momentum. It's a belief in what they can do as a roster. I mean, I just think there's a lot going on right with this team, and and maybe as much as we've seen in, you know, 10 years since Darren Williams was here with this team. So the Jazz are now 24-12. and 12. That is a 55-win pace. Do you think they can keep it up? Probably not quite 55 wins, but but I do think you have to look at it this way. If this had been the Jazz roster and they were playing this well, and then at the trade deadline, Dennis Lindsay went out and acquired Mike Conley from Memphis for the pieces that he did gave up or give up, and, and those players were on this team right now, you'd have to think the Jazz are going for it. I mean, the Jazz are trying to become contenders and, and really have probably put themselves in that conversation if they were to go out and acquire Memphis Mike Conley. Now, with the context we have that he wasn't playing at that level since he's been with the Jazz, we, we maybe dial that back a little bit. But I do think that's where the Jazz are. And, and, you know, 55 wins with as much star power as the Jazz have is is a team that's trying to contend. So maybe they are that good of a team. And may, maybe that is how good they can be, at least play that at that level when they get into the postseason. How surprised are you, Ben, that Bogey is more than just a catch-and-shoot dude? Significantly, I mean, he's just—he's so much more complete as an isolation player, and and you know he still has a really high dribble, and we've seen how often he turns the ball over at the top of the key. But I mean, I, I honestly didn't know, and this was just from from poor research on my part. Just his clutch stats being some of the best in the NBA, and Quinn Snyder's talked about that quite a bit. That 
late in games, he's just nails. It just does not matter who's guarding him or what situation he finds himself in. He just finds a way to make baskets, and he did it last night in the face of Derek Favors, uh, hit that big three, and then hit that runner towards the rim and finished well, even with the hurt wrist. So his ability to show up big in big moments maybe has been what's most surprising. And then just as, as complete as his game is, and that's funny to say in a night where he scored 35 points and didn't grab a rebound and didn't have an assist, but his his overall game is, is certainly far better and far more diverse and more impactful than I think I, the, the Jazz were going to get from Boyan. Now this is as good as Joe Ingles can get. He can't get any better than this. The radio show host blurts out for the fourth straight year. Am I finally going to be right? I don't know because he ran point guard for, for the entire fourth quarter last night. It was insanely good. It was, I mean, it was just perfect. And the lobs he was throwing to Rudy Gobert. I mean, his last lob that he threw to Rudy with two and a half minutes left. I mean, look, I'm not pretending that I'm you know an old guy who, who's watched a ton of basketball in my life. Certainly not going back to the 70s or 80s. But the idea of throwing a lob pass with two and a half minutes left of a one score game. I mean, 10 years ago was unheard of. And Joe Ingles, who's the old guy on the team, is so comfortable doing it and so good at doing it that that maybe he is getting better and his understanding of the game continues to get better. And maybe he has some of that late career impact that we saw guys like Boris Diaw or Joe Johnson have in a jazz uniform where it doesn't matter if his athleticism slips. He's so smart and so savvy and really so skilled that his ability to impact the game continues to not get better necessarily, but adapt to what the Jazz need him to be. So I won't be at all surprised if he keeps adding skills. And then, you know, over his last 30 days, which is, what, 15 games or so, he's shooting 52% from the three-point line. So, you know, if that keeps up, which it probably won't, but he's getting wide-open shots, he's going to keep shooting the ball well. So you know how some people say if fill-in-the-blank candidate gets elected president, I'm going to leave the country? They never do, but they always say that every four years or every eight years, whatever it is. I'm going to make this statement. When Conley comes back, if Joe's taken out of the starting lineup, I'm going to leave the country. I don't see how it's possible. I just I don't see any reason that Quinn Snyder would do it. And, and look, Royce O'Neal was good last night. You know, he, he hit one of his two three-point attempts and he guarded Brandon Ingram, and, you know, Brandon Ingram still went off for 35 points. I just don't think the impact Royce O'Neal's had in the starting lineup has gotten anywhere close to what the impact Joe Ingles is having in the starting lineup. And now the problem was you had to – it felt like you had to have Joe Ingles on the bench because you needed another playmaker. Well, Joe Ingles isn't on the bench right now, and it feels like you have enough quality bench players between Jordan Clarkson and Emmanuel Moutier when he has his highs that, that you can go there and even – Tony Bradley's recent play has been a very big surprise, I think, over the last five games or so. So you don't need Joe Ingles on the bench anymore. And you can put Royce O'Neal there, and you can find ways to get him into the game early and and get plenty of minutes against the opposing team's starting wing star and best scorer. Uh, You can find a way to do that. But no, I don't think there's any way Joe Ingles finds himself back on the bench. I would agree with you about that, and I think that it's clear Royce will be the one coming off the bench, and I don't think Royce, from the comments I've heard, I don't think he really cares one way or another. I don't think it'll impact his production, because I think his minutes will stay in the same ballpark, and his attitude will stay in the same ballpark, so I think his production will too. I'm more interested in what happens in the last five minutes of a game and who the five guys are who close games, and I'm not convinced that Conley is going to unseat Royce there. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I I don't know how that's going to go, and I don't know if Quinn's going to say, well, Mike, you got to play well enough to make me put you in, or if he's going to put him in and then say, well, you got to play well enough to keep him in because we know what Royce has done. Do you have any feel for how that's going to go? Who's going to be given the benefit of the doubt right out of the gate? 
I would suspect benefit of the doubt has to go back to Mike Conley. And you have Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Rudy Gobert. And that, that's the Jazz best lineup. You know, I mean, it's the most talented lineup. It's the most diverse lineup. And, and, and not to slight Royce O'Neal because he's done nothing but overachieve in a Jazz uniform, but, you know, Donovan Mitchell makes a great pass last night with, what, 35 seconds to go, 45 seconds to go, and Royce O'Neal's got a wide-open three-point shot. And if he hits it, the game's over. And he doesn't, and, and it ends up coming down to the last play. And I think you probably have more faith in Mike Conley hitting that shot, even though he doesn't have as good a three-point shooting percentage this year, just based on who he's been in his career, the types of situations he's been in, how, how calm of a character he can be late in those games. That's where I think you have to go back and, and by default, trust Mike Conley. And if it's not working, Quinn Snyder's done radical things this year. I mean, waving Jeff Green is a radical move. Trading Dante Exum, who's you know a Jazz DNA guy, for Jordan Clarkson, who I don't think anyone would have thought is a quote Jazz DNA guy uh, a couple of weeks ago, is a radical move. You know th- th- those things that the Jazz are doing. Benching Ed Davis is a pretty radical move, considering you signed him this offseason, not to huge money, but to one of the higher paid players on your bench. So Quinn's not afraid of doing that this season because I think he knows how good this team can be. So I, I wouldn't say it's not a possibility that, that the Jazz could close games at some point without Mike Conley, but he, he's good enough and, and a naturally talented and smart player enough. I think it would be hard to, to put him on the bench. So what do you think all this winning means relative to the standings? To the standings? Yeah. I mean, the Jazz are a game back to the second seed, so that, doesn't, that certainly doesn't hurt. And, and I think if you can find yourself in that spot, I mean, look at the West right now. Look, look at there's six really good teams that are going to make it, assuming Dallas is able to continue to play this way. And, you know, I mean, every night if you check a Mavericks box score, and that's not the best way to watch basketball. But, I mean, Luka Doncic last night had 38 points and 11 rebounds and 10 assists, and nobody cares anymore. I mean, he's in that conversation to be the best young player we've ever seen, along with LeBron. So he's coming into his own, and I don't know if I want to play him seven times in the postseason if I'm an NBA team. So if you can get up to the two seed and you're facing the Oklahoma City Thunder, that's probably a major plus because as good as they are and as talented as they are, they still have flaws in the roster, and I don't know if they have a closer necessarily as good as Chris Paul is. I don't know if he can still do that at this age, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander might be too young. And then the eighth seed is just a nightmare. I, I, I mean, it's going to be a team that's five or six games under 500, maybe at best that makes it and it's the Spurs right now but it could be the Portland in a, co- Portland in a couple of weeks or it could be that uh, New Orleans team that we saw last night if they keep playing well and look if they get Zion Williamson back and they have Drew Holiday healthy in the postseason that's a really dangerous team to play so I think you want to make sure you get one of those top two seeds because there's a drop off in the west from six to seven to eight but uh, but but going on this win streak in January as the Jazz traditionally have is, is going to be big at the end of the season and we're going to look back at this as having a major impact on who they are. Joe Ingles came in as an end-of-the-roster guy and has worked his way up. Uh, Royce O'Neal came in as an end-of-the-roster guy and is working his way up. Seems to be on a similar path to Ingles. Now Niang seems to be on a similar path to Royce. Are we going to be saying the same thing about Tony Bradley in a year or two? I think we're going to be saying the same thing about one of the guys at the end of this bench. and I'm, heard, I, I'm sure you guys have heard the same things I've heard about the Jazz love Jarrell Brantley, they really like Mie Aoni, they like uh, Rajon Tucker, who they just signed, and of course Tony Bradley with how he's playing is starting to look like a first-round pick. I think the Jazz are confident they've got a good player there. Which of those four guys ends up being a good player? And it's probably going to be one. You're probably hoping to get one Joe Ingles or one Royce O'Neal. You're not going to get four in that group. So 
if those one of those guys can continue to pan out, whether that's Brantley's ability to be a Paul Millsap clone in a couple of years, or if Rajon Tucker can do what we've seen in very small spurts, but it's what he did at the G League, which is attack off the dribble and be freakishly athletic and be really strong and be able to finish at the rim. Can you use that type of player? And can that guy save you $25 million over the next three years because he signed to a non-guaranteed minimum contract? I think that's what the Jazz are hoping. And, and I, I don't ever see Tony Bradley becoming a starting-level player. I just don't know if he has a, a modern enough skill set or elite enough athleticism as a big guy to carve out that role. But if he can turn into Ed Davis with the 27th pick or 28th pick, whatever Tony Bradley was, that's a that's a major plus, and I mean it's already uh, it's already starting to pay off this season. And nice for the Jazz to have that insurance when Ed Davis wasn't producing. How much do you have to see these types of wins come against more teams like the Clippers? I, I think that was huge. I, I think that validated everything. And going back to talking about attitude that they had early in this this stretch, I, I think they needed that win for them to believe that okay, we weren't just beating you know the Memphis Grizzlies or some of these low level teams. I think they needed for themselves in that locker room to feel like those wins were legit and those wins were counting against real teams. And those, those carry over. You know, if you can beat the Clippers on the road, you can beat the Pelicans on the road, or you can beat the Chicago Bulls on the road, or you can beat Orlando at Orlando. I, I think that has mattered. Now, the Jazz have six more games against these bad teams, which is pretty incredible. They could really extend this winning streak starting tomorrow night with the Knicks. And then they have three really interesting games uh, in a four-game stretch. They get Indiana here in Salt Lake City. They go to Golden State, which should be a victory. Then they come back and they play the Dallas Mavericks and they play the Houston Rockets. So three or four teams that are firmly going to make the playoffs that are well above 500, that will be a really important stretch for the Jazz. Do they split that? Do they sweep that group? Do they go 3-1? and one? I think that'll tell us a lot about what to expect for the rest of the season. So they got six games before the Pacers start that really good stretch here at the end of the month. Do you think they sweep the six and they're sitting on 30 wins and feeling like a million bucks? I think I think you've got New Orleans again mm-hmm. on the third game of a three-game yeah. road trip, and you saw how well they played last night. And look, I think New Orleans is going to be polarizing nights, depending on, on which team shows up, because they're so young. You're not going to get them every night playing as well as they did, but they have been playing well lately. I would circle that game as a particularly tough game, just because you've played them so recently. It's hard to beat a team twice on the road. It's hard to beat them in that close of proximity. I think I think there's probably room for at least one loss in that group of six and maybe two. But the Jazz are playing this well and shooting as well as they are, and it's not that crazy they're shooting this well because Quinn Snyder's offense does get the best open looks, at least did last season in the NBA, and then they added a bunch of 40% three-point shooters this offseason. I think it's very possible. What the Jazz might do, though, is, is reincorporate Mike Conley, and that just might shake up the chemistry a little bit. I mean, that might just slow the roster down a little bit, and that could result in a loss, even though, of course, it's a, it's a much better addition in the long run. He's Ben Anderson. He's only got about 100 opinions on the Jazz. Hear him on the Jazz pre-half and post-game shows with Jake. Thanks for joining us, Ben. We appreciate a few minutes. Thanks, guys. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, we get you up to speed on everything you've missed over the course of this show. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Jazz have won six in a row after beating the Pelicans 128 to 126. They've won 11 of the last 12. They'll try to make it 12 out of 13 tomorrow night against the Knicks at Vivint Smart Home Arena. The Knicks are playing tonight. They play the Lakers. The game tips off at 8.30. You can see it on NBA TV. They'll come in late and be playing a back-to-back against the Jazz tomorrow. Also, college basketball late tonight. Utah State is at Air Force. The Aggies have dropped back-to-back Mountain West Conference games. They are 2-2. Two and two. Air Force is 1-2 and two and 7-8 and eight on the year. They'll play on ESPN2 at 9 o'clock tonight. You can listen to the game with Scotty G on the call on the Zone Sports Network. Pre-game show starts at 8.30. Top of the wire brought to you by Ken Garf Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Get a new Jeep or Ram for less at Ken Garf West Valley Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Visit them today. Big show. Big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? The Patriots, they're at a bit of a crossroads. I was surprised. I was surprised. I'm not shocked. The wheels have been wobbling for the Patriots the second half of the season. But it's still the freaking Patriots. And now what's going to happen with Tom Brady? We're watching the end of an era that should be appreciated, even if you hate the Patriots. I'm not crying. I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm just saying that this should be appreciated. What we just saw was the closest thing to a dynasty that we've seen in the NFL for quite some time. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Mike's a smart guy. He knows that. that, And he knows that that maybe at times Jerry will interfere or say things that you necessarily don't don't agree with or don't like. But it is what it is. But I'll say this, Mike, is he's one of those guys from Pittsburgh. He's hard-nosed. He's tough. He's an aggressive uh, personality. If there's anyone out there presently that can handle that, it's Mike. I believe that wholeheartedly. There's Brett Favre talking about Mike McCarthy. What kind of fit is he going to be with Jerry Jones, the owner who likes to be the GM and, in fact, is the GM. He's in the draft room on draft night. He's talking to the media before and after games, saying stuff about players and plays. And, you know, that can get in the way for some people. And there's Brett Favre thinking that McCarthy can handle it. He's hard-nosed. I know for me, I'm soft-nosed. And, you know, I'm a worse, I'm a bad talk show host, but I'm an even worse person. (laughs) <laughs> Great. And for me, I'm last in the gym, first to leave. And what led to this? <laughs> <laughs> All these cliches that you oh, keep okay. hearing. Right. Hard-nosed. He's a great player, but even a better person. You know, first in the gym, last to leave. Nope. I was last in the gym, first to leave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're supposed to be here at 9. It's 925. And my hour of weightlifting's over in 15 minutes, so let's get going. Uh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I was a crummy player and even a worse person. <laughs> you always hear that. I was a great player, but an even better person. What, well, what does that mean? Uh, I, I literally was 0 for 42 at the plate that year. I didn't get a single hit, nor did I walk. I was never on base, and I stole from my teammates. In the fourth inning, I go back in the locker room. I just take stuff. I know a guy. <laughs> there uh, you go. Worst player, worst person. Kid after I graduated a year after. First time up. First, first A-B of the season, he goes deep. Mm-hmm. His one and only hit for the season. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> in high school? Yeah. So what is that in a season, uh, 60, 70 at-bats? I like? don't know how much playing time he got as the okay. season progressed. But I remember it was the year after I left, 
I remember hearing about it. I graduated. How long is the high school baseball season in Arizona? 20 games? Uh, probably a little bit more. I mean, 25. it starts early March. Okay. And the play, depending on if you go to the playoffs, it can go yeah. into May. So they might have gotten 100 bats tossed. Yeah, but I don't know. The I don't, one hit. I don't know. At but he could have gotten benched yeah, partway through I, yeah, the year. When you're, well, you're one for 22, and yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, I assume he. <laughs> he over to never got another hit. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love he could have just crossed home plate and kept right on going. <laughs> Uh, you asked earlier about the number 45. Who's the best 45, Donald Trump or Donovan Mitchell? You stirring the pot. And we're getting some response. We'll get to this in the next segment. But uh, Bob Gibson wore the number 45. Got an old-time baseball fan hitting us up with that as long as we're talking baseball. Samson so, Nakua. Garrett Cole. Samson Nakua. Famous 45s. <laughs> let's go. Famous 45s. Make it happen. All right. As long as you're talking football and talking Utah football, uh, this could impact the Utes. Uh, I guess it could impact him in the short run. It certainly could impact him in the long run. Baylor needs a head coach. Matt Rule going to the National Football League. He's going to be replacing Ron Rivera in Carolina. He'll be the Panthers' new head coach. What will happen now at Baylor? And you were in uh, San Antonio for the Alamo Bowl. I was there, but for about 24 hours. You were there for about three days. And you said that... uh, the name uh, Morgan Scally carries a little weight in the state of Texas. We know he goes there and recruits in Houston and Dallas, but the folks from Austin know about him. That's what some longtime Texas media people were telling me because I spent some time with them on Monday, the day before the game, a fair amount of time, and they were talking a lot about Morgan and how Tom Herman had significant interest, and it does coincide with the contract being amended right. at Utah. So whether that was a head coaching job in the Mountain West or defensive coordinator at Texas or all of the above, something and then we know about uh, Morgan's. He doesn't want to talk about it when asked if there's any stipulation, any form of anything in the contract on Mm -hmm. coach and waiting, and the dearly departed Kurt Cragthorpe among Josh Furlong too at the KSL.com, where both of them were telling me they. They call it the grandma. It's 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 a you can get grandma right get, freedom of information yeah, act and you yeah, get the contract. And Morgan hadn't signed it yet, right? So it's not available to look at, right? But uh, there's at least three organizations that have requested it, if not yeah. more. So and we're going to gonna see, find out, yeah, what that language is in there as far as what exactly does did they make it vague and that they just say years and more money or they say you know you will get money if you don't get the head coaching job or we believe all things being equal you'll get it i don't know how it could possibly be phrased i'm i'm not a lawyer and then and and all that stuff with the contracts but morgan has a great rep down in texas so who knows what can happen and he's an he's an up-and-coming star that's just the way it is. It's going to no be a head coach somewhere. If it's yeah. not Utah, it'll be somewhere else. And, and, a, yeah. and a coach today, you know, you just can't be an X's and O's guy. That's important and all that stuff. But anybody could, not anybody, but a lot of folks can just d- dive into it. But he's got it recruiting. Expert. He's got the personality yeah, in front oh, of the all media. All that stuff. You, the boosters. Right. Speaking of Texas, I can remember the, uh, one time at Jarris, you know, he was, he was being, uh, his name was banded about virtually for every job, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't matter whose job he was just about everybody nba jobs college jobs yeah yeah well 
I digress, but Rick Buecher was working in the Bay Area, and he on a Saturday night, he's taking the Warriors job. I'm going with it. Okay, Rick, go ahead. <laughs> good, good luck with that. I mean, I'd been down that road so many times. It's like it's 11 o'clock at night, and he's trying to decide whether to press send, and he's talking to me on the phone, blah, blah, blah. But uh, Texas, they uh, told him you know, what I'd heard on the major situation with Texas is that after the games, you were required to go upstairs and hobnob with the boosters. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> not interested. That yeah, I'm not down with that. I'm out. Because you got to go up there and then listen to people who don't know anything tell you about yeah. basketball. That yeah. Rick's head would have just exploded. Yeah. Uh, you know, he went to the food room into the film room. Well, I think you yeah. should. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and I'm out. Yeah. And I heard that was a, a deal breaker. Not that he would ever, he was probably never going to take the job anyway. No, but, but that was, he. Yeah. that would be a bad match. Yeah. That was he was not built for that. No, Coaches the, who are built for that can barely tolerate the that. The night of yeah. the game, no less, you know, not two days later. Yeah. When oh, you can you imagine after the function. rare home loss, and he probably only lose one or two home games a year, but after that one or two home losses, to have to hear people's theory on how I got messed up? Oh. Yeah. Oh. You can criticize Rick all you wanted, but putting hours on the job was not one of them. Uh when he was coaching, all that other stuff. When he was taken off, is another story. But you know, he went right. He went right to work after the game. No, he was right into the film. Yes, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Only thing that came before the film was looking at the final stats page, talking to the media and the players, and then boom. Yeah. So we'll keep our eye on Baylor. The Utes play Baylor in. 2023 and 2024, and of course they need to upgrade their schedule, they need tougher games on it, and will Baylor be a tougher game? We've seen them win 10 games, we've seen them lose 10 games, they might be somewhere in between, there's no telling where they'll be four years well, from now. Well, I think that you get away from the scandal, and it looks like they've gotten away from it, uh, that they'll probably be pretty good. If they make a good coaching hire, but you yourself don't like to predict the coaching hires. If they make the wrong coaching hire... They could still be climbing out of it in uh, four years. Potentially, sure. Yeah. I mean, you really have to be making a wrong but hire, which is possible. To your, to your point, well, yeah. You've been able to scoop up enough talent I mean, in the state. Texas, You're right, but Texas just went 8-5, and five, so now, of course, they also okay. crushed the Utes. Yeah, but 8-5 so, and five is not bottoming. Right, right but out. I look at TCU's had some really good teams, and then they've had some teams that really aren't that good. Uh, not five, that many on seven. the 5-7 and seven side. This year, though, I know, they were five but and by seven, and large, but Patterson has done a very good I, job. I agree, but you just never know, and it depends on who they get. On a given year, you can have injuries and whatnot, and who's to say. So we'll keep our, keep our eye, and I don't know that staff well enough, and it's all very fresh, because yeah. Rule took the job this morning. And it works both ways. I mean, two years ago, the Utes weren't what they were this year. Right. And Rule just took the job this morning, so is there someone inside the program who can continue what they have? But to your point, they do have a brand new stadium, and they do have... Uh, two different coaches you've gone on there and one now. Yeah, the so, only thing I'm pretty sure is Art Browse won't get it. Yeah, good call by you. Yeah. The the Baylor that you know sucked for most of the 80s and 90s with the new stadium and, and some winning now, it seems like they've moved past that. All right, we talked uh, a little football there. And then, uh, Yach, was there another – did we just get another hiring here within the hour? Yep. Joe Judge, he's the special teams and wide receivers coach for the New England Patriots, going to be heading up the New York Giants as their new head coach. So three Belichick disciples all on the East Coast now coaching against him. And Josh McDaniel? McDaniels, we'll see. Waiting. Cleveland still got an opening. Waiting. Uh, basketball, we talked about the Jazz at length this morning. Uh, we can start with the no call at the end of the game. First thing I thought when I saw that is, 
hey, the refs respect Rudy Gobert, and he got a no call with the game on the line. Because for another player on the road, that could have easily been a foul call. You, however, thought it was just the fact it's the last five seconds. They like to swallow their whistles. We're not doing it. It was not a just an obvious. It was not a blatant. It was not uh, last year against the Saints, which obviously wasn't called. And that P.I. when he kid was Com- tackled. Right. right. That was completely obvious. Yeah. I mean, so it has to be so freaking extreme. And it wasn't so freaking extreme. And I can live with it because of the fact that it's an it's basically an unwritten rule in hoops. And Ingram, two things. He decided to go to the hoop. He's a young kid, and I don't have any problem with that. And he probably would have scored if there was anybody but... Go Bear. And he'd be a hero. Well, they would have gone into overtime, right? Because it was just a two-point lead. So uh, we still had five minutes to go. Uh, but I like the fact that if I'm Gentry today, I'm fuming that we didn't get the call. But, you know, I, you got to play that game. I get it. Uh, I think that I love the fact that my team was aggressive. That Brandon Ingram, specifically, was just looking, man, I'm going to go make a play. Because whether they win that game or not, it doesn't really matter. And this year so I like the aggressiveness and I like I just like the way the the Jazz are winning close games and even if it's close games against teams that may not be that good but see that the record's misleading New Orleans is playing well they got a lot of young talent yes I think that uh, they're coming together in a lot of the ways we've seen the Jazz you got to give teams with a lot of new players a little time to get it together and as they were getting together too yes they're also young and also they lost favors who they were counting on big time and they lost him first to back problems and then his mom passed away and he didn't play and since he's come back he's averaged a double double and they're now six and three yes i would be hesitant to bank my future on Derek favors health though i totally agree with you but you need someone to rim protect and be in the middle and then you also just need guys to come together and Ingram. Right, now. right thank Over you. Me. Sing it. And uh, Ingram, that was really impressive. 35 points, eight assists, or excuse me, uh, eight rebounds, five assists. Uh, that was a big time game. The Jazz, he was a handful. The Jazz are having problems with him. Yeah, it's fun to see a player kind of come into his own a little bit here as he's getting the opportunity. And I said this earlier, I thought Lonzo Ball looked a lot better than I remember him with the Lakers. So for the Jazz now, it's the Knicks up next. A chance to make it seven in a row, and the Knicks are going back-to-back playing the Lakers tonight. Jazz are back home. It looks like everything's lining up, PK. And they're now 24-12. and They're on the 55-win pace. And I was talking about them getting through the first half of the season, but they're going to do better than even I was projecting. They had 12 wins in the first quarter of the season, 24 downgraded, man. Yeah, but everybody thought that was an upgrade when I was talking about it. Because I was talking about a 55-win pace, and they're on it now. And they're probably going to exceed it, because I think they're going to do well over these next six games. I was talking 65. You are not talking 65. You're making that up. (laughs) You're totally making that up. Okay, I wasn't talking to anybody but myself. No, whatever. I was like, at night, just, you know, the voices. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them about that. Uh, we never got a psychologist to interpret your dream. So I mentioned massage therapist talking I, about, I, I don't even know what we were talking about. I don't either. That, oh, it was because the player, what player said we when it was I? It was, oh, it was Tua. It was Tua. Well, oh, yeah, if yeah. we get back to running around, yeah. you're like, well, you have multiple personalities? Who's we? And I said, well, he's talking about the agent. 
the uh, massage therapist, his personal trainer, and you said, yeah, you're funny, you mentioned massage therapist, and then you told this story. Around 3 o'clock last night, I woke up, which is frequent. I, I, I wake up two, three times a night, and uh, a lot of times I don't get back to sleep. And this time, I, uh, I have a cold, so I got up and I went into another room so I wouldn't wake my wife up from coughing and stuff, right? And... <clears throat> Uh, I had a hard time getting to sleep and somehow during the course of trying to fall asleep, I played some ocean music on my phone and you know, try oh, yeah, to yeah. do these things and somehow I got on the topic of a lady who's in the health field it's actually someone I know who's in the in the business is massaging my feet and in the winter, when the dryness, my feet cracked big time. They hurt like a mother. And I can remember thinking, oh, man, this feels awesome. And I fell asleep to that. And then I woke up. Next thing I woke up, and it was 10 minutes before I was supposed to get up. Have you ever gotten a pedicure? They no. massage your feet during a pedicure. I know, but I'm too embarrassed. Oh. It's worth every penny. They've, they've, seen, I, they've seen it all. You oh, can't yes. possibly. No. They've had people fall asleep and snore in the middle of the salon. They'll no, all tell no, you about it. No, I'm no. talking about the and they, grossness okay, of my feet. PK, it doesn't matter. PK, they have seen, they've seen it all. the worst. Whatever. So you're fine. They it's will tell it. you, you've got this, and then you say, rank it on a scale of 1 to 100. And I, I'm telling you, I've done this. It's hilarious. And they will tell you, oh, you're about a 40, you're about a 75. And yeah, then they'll give you they're not going to say your feet are the and grossest they will, things. They will then tell you a story of something grosser and you will want to throw up in your mouth. I'm sure they're not the grossest, but they're pretty nasty. My wife, if I touch her anywhere with my feet, she just hates me. Yeah. So your massage therapist triggered, and that often happens. You have a dream, and then something triggers it. Oh, yeah, I just dreamed about that. And... um. The massage therapist, yes. I went to one in my dream, not literally. You know, A week ago today, my dog died, and it's been a major, major blow. And uh, uh, so I was in Texas. I was doing the show by myself that day because you were gone. I was and flying there the morning of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he died uh, like at 2 o'clock in, in the morning. And that morning, so my wife is in Arizona. My daughter, at 7 o'clock in the morning... Text my my wife. Hey, is everything okay with you and dad? She got the vibe out of the blue. Wow! At seven in the morning, you hear stories about that. How does it work? You know, scientists talk about we have a sixth sense, the seventh sense. It's crazy. We know about the four dimensions, but there's some fifth one, and we're communicating somehow. Yeah, that was that was a little on the weird side. All right, DJ and PK, that's the stuff we've been talking about this morning. A lot of sports, and then, you know, the idle stuff that uh, creeps everybody out. Got it all mixed together. And it's brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> 